Welcome to Love Rules, the radio ministry of Roxbury Presbyterian Church in Boston. My mom, Liz Walker, was Boston's first African-American television news anchor, but her most important job is what she does right now at RPC, preaching the good news about God's love. The Bible says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. How does that work? Join my mom now as she offers us Love Rules from Roxbury Presbyterian Church. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Love Rules. Today's message, Lost in the Crowd. And our text today is from Matthew, the 21st chapter, the 1st through the 11th verses. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds then went ahead of him, and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. What a triumphal entry the Lord made into Jerusalem that day. Up until this day, Jesus had refused to allow any public acknowledgement of him being the Messiah, but now his time is at hand. There's a steely look of resolve on his otherwise gentle face. He is a man on a mission, of course, that will change the world. The animals are sure-footed on the rocky slope and undisturbed by the crowd that is swelling around Jesus and the disciples. It is the time of the Passover, one of three public feasts that Jews are mandated to attend in Jerusalem. This is the most important of all the feasts, so the population of the city has exploded. The closer the group gets to the city, the more circus-like the atmosphere as thousands jam the narrow stone streets. There is a time of great anticipation. While the crowd is here to celebrate the holy days, many have heard that the Messiah will soon arrive, and people are gathering in groups talking about just who this Messiah is, what this Messiah will do. Many of these people, most of them, are expecting a warrior king who will take down the Roman Empire. Some of them are clearing a path right in the middle of the road and cutting down palms long used as symbols of royal victories. There's a sense of unpredictability to this day, though, because there's confusion and turmoil in the air, and, and not everybody's here to cheer Jesus on. 2,000 years later, there is still an air of uncertainty in Jerusalem. I had the wonderful opportunity to go there. I've been there twice, and it is an extraordinary journey, and I suggest it for any Christian. People flock there from around the world to experience what's considered the world's holiest ground. But before you enter a gate into the old city, before you reach the marketplace and touch the Wailing Wall, before you navigate the uh, Via Della Rosa, the path Jesus took to the cross, you must first confront the crowds. Oh, my goodness. Thousands of people are jammed into this small space 
speaking in every language, moving in every direction. It can be an intimate and intimidating way to get a feel for this very special city. As you begin to take on all that is going on around you, this mass of humanity that has been drawn here for centuries, if you are not careful, you can become overwhelmed by the crowd. I love to people watch. And one of the first groups I noticed when I went to the old city was the money changers. They're still there. They're right there. There are are a few places to step back from the crowd and watch. But wherever you are, you become a part of the crowd. So even in watching the money changers, you're kind of caught up in what they're doing. You see, the crowd has great power. It's a common and important character in Greco-Roman literature and, and certainly in the Bible. It functions as those who first hear Jesus, who follow him, who witness to his teachings, who receive his help and healing, and who react in astonishment to his miracles. But crowds were not always Jesus' friends. And Jesus knew that. He knew their changing dynamics better than most. Remember those 5,000 people were there when Jesus took those loaves and fishes and fed them? Remember the crowds in his hometown of Nazareth who rejected him, even tried to throw him off a cliff? There were crowds that helped spread the good news and ensured the tremendous growth of the gospel. In the end, there were crowds that sent Jesus to the cross. We need to understand the significance of the crowds. When you go on this tour of Jerusalem, the one thing your guide will emphasize during the entire trip is that you need to stay close to your group. Don't go wandering away looking for bargains or bathrooms without notifying your guide because the biggest problem in navigating this strange place with so many people is getting lost in a crowd. It's a concern that takes on many levels. As parents, we worry about our children going out with their friends. I find myself even now telling my son, just as my mother warned my brother, don't hang out with the crowd. Trouble can always erupt in the crowd. If you are African-American, you are particularly concerned about crowds. A group of young black men all wearing hoodies on the street can be a magnet for trouble, even if they are not even thinking about trouble. You don't want your child to hang out in crowds. You may not be a target yourself, but you could be a target in a crowd. You see, there's potential danger in the crowd. I am so thankful you've joined us today. Remember, Love Rules is totally listener-supported. Won't you make a donation right now to keep this program on the air? Log on to RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org and click on Giving. That's RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org. Dot org. Click on giving. Thank you. God bless you. Crowds can take on all kinds of contexts. You know, marketing experts make multi-million dollar decisions on the kind of products they put in stores and where they place the product based on their research over the habits of the crowd. As much talk as you hear in this country about the importance of individuals, it's the knowledge and manipulation of the crowd that actually controls consumerism. They call it the herd mentality. In other words, your buying habits are based on your desire to fit in the crowd. Both the old and young are susceptible to the manipulation of the crowd. But you see, Jesus knew everything he needed to know about the crowd. And he knew 
the crowd this particular day could mean him the most harm. The Pharisees represented the challenges in these crowds. While his disciples were happy to praise him, the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, make your disciples stop shouting. The Pharisees accused the crowd of being sacrilegious and blasphemous. They didn't want anybody challenging their power. But Jesus said, wait a minute, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out because you can't stop Jesus. He's not intimidated by the crowd. You need to understand that you don't want to fall into the crowd. It's not a good place for you to be. Now, there are some folks who were following Jesus uh, were pretenders, not just his enemies like the Pharisees, but there were also those who were just trying to get into the crowd to see what they could get out of Jesus. But he told them, the reason you're looking for me is not the miracles. You're looking for me because I give you plenty of bread to eat. You see, this group loved the spectacle of it all, but they weren't ready to listen to the gospel. They didn't want to change. They didn't want to repent. There are always those kind of people in the crowd. There is another group in the crowd, though, that I think that fits for most of us. This crowd had come to meet Jesus because they had seen him call Lazarus out of the tomb. They kept talking about him and this miracle. That's in the Gospel of John. Those are the curious that you will find in the crowd. The curious are drawn to Jesus for the same reason that the pretenders are drawn. They've seen or heard miracles, but here's a difference between the two crowds. The pretenders are just there trying to see what they can get out of it. The curious usually want to learn more. Nicodemus was curious. He wanted to know what it would take to be born again. The Samaritan woman at the well was curious. She wanted to understand what she was really thirsty for. You see, unlike the pretenders, the curious are possibilities. God is interested in the curious, and they usually step out of the crowd. When you are curious, Jesus can work with you. I have watched some curious people come into our church at Roxbury Presbyterian off of Warren Street, looking to see what this religion thing is all about. Maybe they have a a faint understanding of it through grandma or through some long lost experience, but they're curious to kind of get to the core of it. We need to always have something ready to tell the curious, you see. Jesus can work with the curious, and the curious usually step out of the crowd. Now we can extrapolate many theories, but we really have limited information on the crowds that followed Jesus. We're not sure if there was one crowd that followed him all the way from outside of the city into the temple courts where the decision was made to crucify him. We're not sure if that crowd was uh, just changing its mind and going with the flow that one day they yelled Hosanna and the next day they said, kill him. There's a strong argument that there could have been different crowds, but The point is that Jesus never really cared about the crowd. Jesus always cares about the individual. Now, he may preach to the masses, but he doesn't pursue the masses. Jesus pursues the person. He is concerned about you. I always tell my church there are no buses going to heaven. This is not about the group you're trying to be in. 
This is about your personal relationship with Jesus Christ because Jesus is personal. You need to know that Jesus knows you personally, not your grandmother's Jesus, not the Jesus that that the preacher tells you, but the Jesus that you know. My job is to teach you and, and, to, and to get you even more interested. But Jesus is the one that draws you to him. And it is personal. So my prayer for you today is that you have the courage and the faith to step out of the crowd. Let Jesus into more of your life. Share your truth with Jesus. Share your story with Jesus. He already knows, but you will be blessed in holding nothing back. This is ultimately between the two of you. Get out of the crowd and be blessed. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for tuning in. Roxbury Presbyterian Church is located at 328 Warren Street, right in the heart of Roxbury. Come worship with us on Sundays at 11 a.m. This is a listener-supported program. We invite you to partner with us and learn the many ways that love rules. Visit us on our website, RoxburyPresbyterianChurch.org, or call us at 617-445-2116. Love will reign.